Today's podcast is brought to you by Green Ninja. Green Ninja is a middle school science program fully aligned to next generation science standards. It is the only program that teaches science through the lens of the environment. With Green Ninja, teachers can integrate the teachings of the Laudato Si encyclical into their lessons in a meaningful way. We encourage you to visit our website, laudatoc.greenninja.org, to visit a crossword of our program to Laudato Si. Hello and welcome to the NCEA podcast. This is Jill Annable, Senior Vice President of Programs here at NCEA, and we are live today from our Exceptional Learners Regional Conference hosted by the Diocese of Joliet. So we have great gratitude for Dr. Mike Boyle, who welcomed us into the diocese to do um, the workshop over the next two days. And I was able to snag one of our presenters. <laughs> I have Dr. Janet Bozeman with me here today. She has authored two of the briefs in the Gifted and Talented series um, for NCA. One is the meaning of gifts and talents, framing the elements for flourishing. And the second is identification of gifted learners, a discussion of myths, characteristics, program planning, and identification processes. And she just did a breakout session and it was so popular, I couldn't even pop my head in the room. So now I get to just grab her and have a candid conversation today about how the session went and um, all the all the work we've been doing. So let's start with an introduction. Thanks for jumping into here. And if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself, your work, and your role in Catholic education. Well, thank you, Jill. It's an honor to be um, here at the, at, the, at the regional conference. And um, I have been just so pleasantly surprised at the interest in gifted education. Um, I, I uh, actually oftentimes start my presentations with a confession. That's so Catholic, isn't it? Um, but I have to confess that when I was a young teacher and somebody came to me and said, we need, we need to have gifted education and we need to meet the needs of our gifted students, I was, I was, uh, I was insulted, quite frankly, that the parents and people were thinking that the classroom teacher couldn't meet the needs of the gifted kids ah. in, the, in the classroom. And then they brought in to the Catholic school that I worked at um, someone to give a professional development. And um, all of those ideas started resonating with me and the, everything started clicking in place. I taught in Catholic school for that, that school for 10 years, but I've been in Catholic education for, well, in institutions, either going to a Catholic school or teaching at a Catholic school or, or university in higher ed for 34 years now. Wow, I've, and where? So tell us, tell so us where I, in the country. So I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, ah. and I went to um, St. Matthew's Catholic School and then Regis High School. And I taught at St. Rita Catholic School in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at the University of Dallas and I'm an, uh, an associate professor of education. Um, and uh, so we do teacher preparation mm -hmm. And I'm also the director for Catholic school um, leadership. Excellent. And so what are these candidate pools looking like right now? How many teachers are you going to be able to bring out into the field? Everyone's looking for teachers. I How's know. It going? There's such a shortage yes. of teachers right now. And all of our teachers, well, we have a unique setting at our university. Mm -hmm. We are a small yeah. uh, university, and we have smaller class sizes. Yes. And so our students get 
quite a bit of individual attention and we keep up with our students and uh, we have we like to brag about our 100% passing rate on the the teacher um, certification test that's great and we also know that 100% of our teachers that want to teach typically get jobs so that being said they go out into the field and we go out into the field and we hear the principals talk about mm -hmm. the need for teachers mm -hmm. in our schools. Yeah. And um, I think there's being a shift right now. I think there's a whole change in education happening mm -hmm. right now in, um, in our country. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting when yeah. we see um, how this plays out as we move forward. And how we talk about the profession, about the ministry of being a Catholic school teacher or a teacher is so important because we have the secular world telling people it's impossible and don't be a teacher and oh no, it's been so hard, don't do this. When the call is deep within us to be a teacher and the call is so deep in our you know, as, as young adults are discerning it, it's so important that we accompany mm -hmm. them through those programs so they finish with confidence and they do the work like you're doing so that they can go out into the field ready and be successful. So I, I just applaud you for that work of preparing teachers. It's not easy. It's very, very fulfilling. Yes. It is. Yes. It is. Okay, yeah. tell us tell us what's going on here. So we we brought you in because um, our director of professional learning, Colleen Lacoisica, knew that your specialty in gifted and talented um, marries well with exceptional learners. Now we haven't had that intentionality, I don't think, until this moment. So I mean, we're all wrestling with this big question of where does it fit in. But let's start first with tell us about your breakout session. How did it go? I was killing me. I wasn't in here. So tell tell us what was going on in this room. So the breakout session was a packed house. Honestly, yeah. every chair was filled in the room, and we um, went through you know a lot of the basics of from identification to to how would we get to depth in in what it is that we teach right so we talked about who it is that we um, are looking at and identifying and we looked at uh, some resources we looked at activities we looked at how we do the mechanics of changing the the, the curriculum for gifted mm -hmm. students we definitely talked about how gifted students don't need more work they just need different work different work yes. and how we go about grading those students mm -hmm. um, um, so that they can show mastery we all mm -hmm. have standards that we're working mm -hmm. with right so we have to show that our students are meeting standards and that often happens through pre-testing them uh, to see what they know right mm -hmm. so there's no reason for a student to be sitting in a classroom learning something that they already know. Amen. And yes. a lot of our students come to school knowing a lot of what it is that mm -hmm. is going to be taught to them. So they sit there and wait to learn something new uh -huh. um, so that they can move on, right? So I love we that. We want every student in every classroom to learn something new every day in mm -hmm. our Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. That echoes, well, we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, I've been looking closely at multi-age classrooms, and the same is true there, because you can't afford to have, you by design, you have students of different ages, so you assume they know different things, which means 
they can't all get the same instruction from you. And I would imagine the same is true on the most basic level. If there's a teacher attending with us right now, and so they don't have access to changing programmatically what's happening in the school, but a teacher who wants to do better, I think what you're saying right now rings true for what they need to do to shift what's happening in that core instruction for all their learners. Right. So in the session, we talked about pretesting. Yeah, that's great. And uh, oftentimes teachers say or think when mm-hmm. somebody brings this up, oh my gosh, I have to write another assessment mm-hmm. and then I have to give that and then we have to teach and then we have mm-hmm. to give another assessment. Um, but you know what? You don't have to write a whole different assessment. Mm-hmm. Your post-assessment can be your pre-assessment because you're yes. not going to give it back to the kids, right? So right. you're going to assess what they already know, what they should know at the end of it. And if they already know it, then we move on to something different. Mm-hmm. If there are different aspects of it, that are like they have 80% mastery of it and they are um, not grasping a few of the concepts, mm-hmm. you pull them back to the regular group mm-hmm. when those concepts are being taught and you allow them in the mm-hmm. other time to work on learning mm-hmm. on contract. So you establish oh. a contract with mm-hmm. those students with uh, the behavior expectations and expectations that you have for their finished work and it gives them a different delivery of their learning. It gives them independence. It allows them to think critically and make choices about their learning and to go in depth in areas that they are excited about learning. Learning, But for instance, if you were doing something like this in a social studies classroom um, and you were teaching about the Revolutionary War, um, and the student was a real history buff and they, mm-hmm. you know, you gave the pretest and they knew what, what the concepts were that you were teaching yes. about the Revolutionary War. They could go on contract and start learning more in depth about different uh, pieces of that war, mm-hmm. different battles that happened, get down into yeah. the depth of what was going on And they want to do that because yeah. they're obviously, we're drawn to that topic in the mm-hmm. first place, so you're honoring that their time and their curiosity is being met by having a shift. Now, I will say, though, as a teacher, as a classroom teacher, I was always intimidated by those students because I knew that they may know more than I do, especially when it's a content-heavy unit, right. like Revolutionary mm-hmm. War. They're gonna, they may know more. So it's a bit of vulnerability as a teacher to accept that you're going to have – we already have a wide range of students in the classroom. Right. But when you really know that you have a wide range of students, you have to do something about it. Right. You can't just let that go. You have to do something different. So that's – Don't be intimidated. We can't be intimidated. You know what? We are going to have students who are smarter than us in our classrooms in a variety of areas. You know, if I encountered that student that was a history buff and really liked um, studying different wars and battles and things like that, they definitely yeah. have a leg up on me because that isn't my area for you know of interest in that I haven't gone as mm-hmm. deep as they might have gone into something like that. Or there are students who might be a better in mathematician. I mean, mm-hmm. they are really advanced. And what happens in those situations is that we try to connect them to um, experts in the field. Mm-hmm where they can advance their learning. It it all depends on how far they are along in their learning, but that's one strategy that can be done by the school, the classroom teacher, to connect that exceptional or profoundly gifted student who's moving along at a a very fast pace um, 
um, to get some of their questions answered when they're doing work. And we know our students well. I think we were talking about this yesterday a little bit in different contexts, but about we know our students well. They haven't in our K in our K eight buildings. They've been with us for a long time. We know they're coming. We can uh, plan ahead and know their family well and meet their needs. And I think Catholic schools is where um, our students who are gifted and talented belong because of that. Like we know them and we're going to nourish them in fulfillment of that promise to families that we are going to partner with them for education. So that's great. Yeah. Now, what questions when you were in here? Um, did any participants like are these questions about gifted and talented evolving over time or what what were people curious by or wanting to know more about I know people were pulling you aside after your session a little bit before I grabbed you what are people curious about these days one of the questions that I had was about the how do you grade what they already ah, know good question right so I think it all boils down to what is mastery and what is our goal and and um, you know if in the curriculum, the things that I personally feel as though standards and curriculum are the bare bones, they're the mm -hmm. skeleton to what we teach in our classrooms. And we flesh that skeleton out, right? So if they have met those standards, if they have mastered those standards, they're showing mastery of the, what they need to know at that grade and that age and, and that learning, right? So that pretest can serve as their assessment and the work that you do when you pull them back into the group, right? So if they're showing mastery, there's an A, but they're also doing this other work around the edges, uh, that extension work, that enrichment work, that um, that work that they are very interested in, in doing. And um, my advice to teachers on that is to think about um, what the purpose of that is, right? Is it to put a grade in the grade oh, book? Yes, is, it, is it, is the purpose yes. is to, deepen the learning and then how is it that you want to even go deeper in that child's experience through the assessment of that work so you can look at it and put an A on it and give it back to them you could decide not to put an A in the grade book you could decide to put an A in the grade book or we know that one of the highest correlates to student success over time is their self-evaluation of their work right you could then take that work and allow that student to meet with you, talk about their work, or if you have a group of students that you're working with, maybe three or four that are, you know, being enriched or moving along on a topic in a different way, have them come together and talk about their experiences and their work and why they went in different directions. And, you know, if you ask the question, did, did you do your best on this? And they really have to think deep down in, did I do the best that I could on this? Or did I just um, kind of fly by the seat of my pants to get something in for my teacher? Um, and you make them think about it. It's, it's a very, it's a very gro growth filled experience for it them. Is. It is that self-awareness, self-evaluation. Those are all subsets of metacognition, which students are growing in their their ability to think about their thinking and especially students in this population um, I mean they're all capable of of showing these metacognitive um, uh, thinking strategies but um, that's how we know as teachers what they might need next right what do they 
miss about themselves? Mm-hmm. Can they self-grade their work pretty accurately in the right. same way that we would? That those are life skills, right? Especially as they're off, especially if they're going to do some uh, independent work. Mm-hmm. That's really important. We have to. We all need to be able to self-assess, right? And so um, we're giving them the opportunity. I think we miss out. It doesn't matter if they're gifted, a traditional student, or a student that has a learning difficulty or a learning difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that self-assessment, that mm-hmm. metacognitive uh, piece is very important mm-hmm. to every single one of those learners. Yeah. So I'm so glad that I was able to grab you and we could have this conversation. When it was fresh in your mind, the breakout session just finished. You know, what's your, your parting thought? We're so glad you're here with us. Um, final words of wisdom. To embrace those gifted learners, right? We need to look at all ends of the spectrum uh, and meet the needs of all of our special education students. People don't tend to think of gifted as being a special education student, but they have special education needs. Um, And serving those needs allows them to develop to their fullest potential and become the person that God had intended them to be. Um, And without doing that, their well-being over their lifetime is diminished. So we have to pay attention to them. We have to remember that they're not going to be just fine on their own. They're they're smart, but they they need to have programming to help them grow to, to their fullest potential. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Bozeman, for your time. Thanks for letting me interview on the fly, and thanks for being here with us at the conference. Oh, thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you.